and welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, I was at Bush Gardens this past weekend. My grandparents love taking their grandkids to Bush Gardens. So it's very cute. It's like this whole cross state little caravan we have to do. But it was so fun. I was a little bit nervous riding roller coasters post nose job. Let me tell you, I was like, am I just going to have a nose blood flinging out onto these poor unsuspecting riders behind me? Luckily, it was fine. Did I ask my doctor if it was okay if I rode roller coasters? No. Did I do some mild Googling before I did it? Yes. Also, I forgot how much I love the little area where you get to have lorries rainbow lorries like you feed them nectar it is the tiniest little cup of nectar you've ever seen in your life it's like you know the pill cups that you see in tv shows where they're giving it to you at like an insane asylum or maybe just at the hospital i don't know thank god i've never been like hospitalized but those little cups that's what they put the nectar in okay guess how much one little cup of nectar was eight dollars i paid 16 dollars for two cups of nectar but it was worth it i was living i was living and then uh kenzie paid 20 dollars to play this rigged game where you had to knock over the cans and we got you know our cousin and our little brother who have both played baseball we're like oh this is shoo-in they've got this uh they had six tries they could not knock down all the cans and we were playing for small squishmallows which need i remind you cost far less than 20 dollars but let me tell you i was determined and that's not where this stops i also spent roughly $10 on crane machines trying to get little Boo stuffed animals because they reminded me of my dogs because Boo was a Pomeranian. Rest in peace. Anyways, um, that was my weekend. I, I know you guys are sick of me having excuses of why I'm a day late, but that's why we're a day late this weekend because I came home yesterday morning and I was wrecked and I had to go to work and it was it was painful. Okay, one last thing about myself before we get into this. I keep asking you guys to review at the end if I even can remember. And y'all, I have been slacking in those reviews lately. I would love if you gave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts, search for Kind of Cute, scroll down, and you'll see it write a review. And you can also rate it five stars. On Spotify, it's even easier. Just search for Kind of Cute Podcasts. Make sure you've listened to at least 30 seconds and you can rate it five stars there as well. And Literally, I will read your uh, five-star review on here. You know, I really don't get that many. I can gladly read all of y'all's if that's something you want to hear. And I love hearing from you guys because even if I beg you to DM me or follow me at Kind of Cute Podcast or at Bailey Evan on Instagram or at Bailey Evan on TikTok, y'all do not slide into my DMs as much as I would like. I keep just getting uh, weird, like, promote our jewelry brand spams that come from, like, an account that has zero followers and no profile picture. So please save me from that. Okay, let's get into the juice. First off, Hayden Pantier came out as having an opioid addiction and alcoholism. And I think if you followed Hayden at all throughout her career, you've noticed that things have seemed sort of rocky. I was like the biggest Hayden Pantier fan. I remember the first time I saw her was in Remember the Titans. She was like the cutest little girl. I just wanted to be her. I thought she was so cool in that. She's like this little tough tomboy girl but still just like adorable. And um, I I remember thinking then, I, I know I always say this, that I can like spot a breakout star, but I remember watching that and thinking she was a star, even though we're practically the same age. And she went on to star or co-star in Nashville alongside Connie Britton. She was in Heroes, was her next big role after Remember the Titans. She played a cheerleader. 
guys, my obsession with heroes, I think I loved the show Sense8 on Netflix because it so reminded me of heroes. Oh, that show, especially the first season of that show is some of my favorite TV of all time. Anyway, she goes in depth in this interview with people and is really raw and open open about her opioid addictions, her struggles with alcoholism, and even how she had really bad postpartum after she had her child. And there's been other issues because her husband's Ukrainian and obviously we know everything that's going on over there. And she realized that things were so bad with her drug issues that her daughter, like she agreed to have her daughter go live with her, her ex. It was just very sad. And the reason I bring this up is less to talk about Hayden, but more to talk about the fact that the other day, Kenzie and I had an in-depth, like, 30-minute conversation about how we are so worried about the Stranger Things stars. I'm not kidding. When I see a child star these days in something that is very big, or I know it's going to be very big, I get genuinely worried for them. I'm like, this could go one of two ways. Like, they could be very grounded and, you know, have this very supportive family, a la Hilary Duff, which even that, you don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, but I would say as far as child stars go, she's kind of the the gold star one or it could go horrendously horrendously wrong and you know more the route of a Lindsay Lohan which even she again we talked about last week how she's married now things are hopefully on the up and up for her she's getting some acting gigs but maybe someone who's an even better example is someone like Corey Feldman who I just feel like he could not deal very well with the struggles of fame and everything he witnessed and losing so many of his friends to uh drug addictions and overdose because of everything that they faced in the industry so literally I'm so worried about the stranger things because I won't tell you I mean I know it's like a not funny game to play that we were kind of guessing which ones like may come out okay and which ones may not and it's not because I take that lightly it's just because I genuinely am worried about them and I like I I wish I could consult with them about how to make their lives easier and better because I think there's so many factors that go into play in it that are out of everyone's control to a certain extent but I also think Hollywood could do a lot better in protecting their young stars and maybe like if you're a club like don't let in underage stars just because they're a star to drink and do drugs at your club I'm not saying these kids do that but obviously that happened back in Lindsay Lohan's day like those kids were allowed in the club when they were 14 years old doing whatever the hell they wanted okay other big news oh I also bring that up because we're going to get into later a story about Noah Schnapp who plays Will Byers on Stranger Things Okay, again, I always have to preface whenever I, I bring up a Bravo story that there's so many better Bravo, uh, you know, podcasts out there. But I can't believe that Jen Shaw, she pleaded guilty. And she, um, we, I don't think we went super in-depth in her case, but she's the one from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City who literally the SWAT team trying to bust her and showing up at uh, Heather Gay's beauty lab to, to arrest Jen Shaw and luckily she had you know fled the scene a few minutes earlier but eventually she was caught and you know she was indicted on money laundering charges and uh, wire fraud so yesterday she entered her plea and inner city at inner city press on twitter has a little written up exchange of what happened between judge stein and jen shaw and they said, you're charged in count one with conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarking. Do you understand? And Jen said, yes, your honor. And then the judge went on to say, do you understand that the maximum penalty is 30 years in prison? And Jen said, yes, your honor. 
And I think as part of the plea deal to get her to plead guilty to this, they dropped the money laundering charges against her. So then the judge explained that Jen would lose her civil rights, including the right to vote and bear arms. And she said that she understood that. And then Jen said that she agreed to not appeal the sentence if the judge sentenced her to 168 months or fewer in prison, which that equates to 14 years. And the judge pointed out that she also agreed to forfeit $7 million and restitution of $9 million, which would help uh, make the victims whole again. And she said she did wire fraud, offering services with little to no value. We used interstate telephones and emails. I knew many of the purchases were over the age of 55. I am so sorry. And I feel like it seems a little rote because she's clearly just kind of like reading off of her plea deal. And she admitted to knowing it was wrong and illegal, which basically if you're entering a guilty plea, you basically kind of have to say all these things so that the judge knows that you're willingly and consciously entering into this plea deal. But even though she's agreed not to appeal as long as the sentencing is under 14 years, we 14 years or under, we don't actually know what the judge is going to sentence her and that's happening in thing, around Thanksgiving. So it'll be interesting to see if the judge is going to give her the maximum or something way less. Uh, we will keep you updated. Okay, before we get into our articles from the cut, I wanted to cover one from Vanity Fair. I've said it once. I'll say it a million times more. I love Vandy Fair's reporting. I think their articles are so fun and there's always just some titillating de details. This article is called Dakota Johnson on Family Sexual Agency and the Psychotic Making of Fifty Shades of Grey. I have to say this article is a full-on doozy right off the bat. It literally first line hits you with this. Dakota Johnson is proud of her vibrator. Now, this is somewhat of an ad because I actually didn't know this, but apparently she is the co-creative director at Mod, which is a sexual wellness company, and she joined that a few years back. And the setting of this article, it takes place over a couple of months where the author is interviewing Dakota. So she's in various locations. At one point, she's in Malibu, but it starts out and she's getting ready to go to the Met Ball. And it says that Johnson has a touch all of her own. She used a vibrator on her face that morning as a makeshift lymphatic drainage massage. And while that's not, you know, exactly groundbreaking, because obviously massaging your face, they make ones that are made for your face is good for lymphatic drainage. But I'm just, I just hope she has a separate one for her face and her vagine. That seems like very common knowledge, and I'm sure she does, but I just have to point that out in case you're wanting to go repeat this. And it says, you show me how to use it on my face, says Kate Young, her longtime stylist and date for the night. Young turns to me and points to her cheeks. I use her vibrator. Johnson smiles, my personal one. Now, what I know of DJ, we're going to call her DJ for this. She has a unique sense of humor, to say the least. So again, I'm going to go with that she's joking here and not letting her friend use her vag vibe on her face. But crazier things have happened. And I had to include this next scene because Kinsey and I talk about this scene in Wizard of Oz all the time. And she says, I'm on a conveyor belt of beauty treatments. You know that scene in the Wizard of Oz? One of them is getting stuffed with hay and the Tin Man is getting polished. I feel like that's me. We always talk about that when we're doing the dogs and like <laughs> we sing the little song as we're doing it. So that one line, like all of a sudden made me convinced that maybe I now like DJ. Like maybe now we could be besties because, you know, I'm sure I've mentioned in the past she's not in my ranking of like celebrities I would want to be friends with Dakota's not high up on there this because I think she would be like way too cool for school for me and just make me feel kind of like 
dumb and not as cool. And again, maybe I'm completely wrong about that, but that, that's just the vibe I've gotten. So anyway, Dakota's getting ready with Gucci for the Met Gala. And as she's walking out, this exchange happens. It says, while we wait, she realizes something and suddenly freezes in panic. There's a hole in my crotch, she says. Young's assistant drops to his knees to investigate. How bad is it? Young asks. I mean, finger size, says Johnson. Hearing herself, she feigns shock and scandal in my direction. hey You won't be able to see, the assistant says. Just don't twerk. <laughs> and I'm like, I love that she's this chill about it because I am sorry. I, if I was about to walk on the Met Gala red carpet and I had a hole in my crotch... I'm a pretty easygoing person. I think that would push me over the edge. Like, I think I would have a breakdown then and there and not be able to go on for the night. I'd be like, you have to at least give me a little patch or something. Like, just a little something. Like, maybe just some Band-Aids stuck together that I can put over that. Because I cannot have my hoo-ha hanging out. And from what I've read of the rest of this article, I don't believe she had any underpants on. You know, like, I don't think she was really protected in that area at that point in time. So I don't... I, I can't believe it. I mean, just think it's like one wrong step and there's so many cameras on that red carpet. Yes, Kenzie. It's the avant-garde nature of the Met Gala. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just purposeful. Like, that's part of the costume. I, a crotch slit would be something you would see at the Met Gala. But I think in this case, it would probably be obvious it was not intentional. Maybe not, though. Maybe, maybe you're right. It adds to the whole thing. So then they talk about Malibu because at one point the author is interviewing DJ in Malibu and it says Malibu has become a refuge Martin surfs DJ she just swims and zips up and down the Pacific Coast Highway in a 1965 Mustang that he as in Chris Martin gave her a few years ago for her birthday she calls the car Dixie and if she's ever in a crash she plans to tell people quote my Dixie wrecked Say it out loud. You'll get it. Now, when I was first reading this article, I had to say it out loud about five times before it dawned on me. You might have just caught it the first time I said it. So my Dixie erect, as in my dick is erect. You get it? You get it? She lo- This girl loves a little sexual innuendo. Okay, so then I wanted to summarize this next story because she talks about how a family member that she's not going to name, she doesn't want to cause any familiar drama, tells her when she's 10 years old, that the Easter money, the tooth fairy and Santa Claus don't exist. And she's like, my world came crashing down. And she understood that 10 was like a little old to still be believing in the Easter money. But honestly, I think I was that age too. And she says, if I could, I would still believe in it now. Maybe that's why I make movies and why I want to make movies forever and ever. It makes things feel a bit more safe. And this was the second time I related to DJ because I think every Christmas I'm like, wow, wouldn't that be so nice if I still believed in Santa Claus? Because believe me, I am that girl that it's why I love manifestation, finding little synchronicities. I want to find magic wherever I can. I think it's so beautiful. I think it's so fun and hopeful. And I think it's the reason I love entertainment stuff so much. So again, this article, Vanity Fair, you're you're doing it for me with DJ. Now, she is a deep nepotism baby. If you didn't recall. So her dad is Don Johnson. Her mom is Melanie Griffith. And her grandmother is the actor and activist Tippi Hedren. And she was Alfred Hitchcock's muse in The Birds and Marnie. But as you may have heard, he had a very perverse, predatory obsession with Tippi. And when she kind of rebuffed him coming on to her, he destroyed her career. 
So obviously we've seen that repeat itself in the Hollywood industry year after year and to this very day. She says, what happened with my grandmother was horrific because Hitchcock was a tyrant. He was talented and prolific and important in terms of art, but power can poison people. And then this next story just had me so sad and uncomfortable because she says she attended a screening with her grandmother of her friend Sienna Miller's performance as Tippy in the TV movie called The Girl. And she says, we sat at HBO, my family, and watched that movie together. It was one of those moments where you're just like, how could you not have warned us? We're in our room with some execs. Maybe this warranted a little conversation beforehand. You look over and you see a woman who's just been reminded of everything she went through. And it was heartbreaking. She was an amazing actress and he stopped her from having a career. Ugh, I mm, hate this. And then the story gets even weirder because Melanie Griffith describes the story of her receiving a Christmas gift from Alfred Hitchcock when she was a kid. It was a tiny replica of Tippy, so Melanie's mother, in a tiny coffin. Dakota says, it's alarming and dark and really, really sad for that little girl. Really scary. Yeah, I mean, that's an understatement. Hello, this is so disgusting. It's giving me Jared Leto vibes. Like, again, just very disheartening that this shit still goes on in the year 2022. All right, so here's a much lighter story. It says, if you're curious how a free spirit like Johnson handles a social gathering, here's a story from a get-together not long ago. People were talking about the metaverse. It's very serious business. And I said, I have a couple of NFTs. And they said, oh, really? What do you have? She said, nice fucking titties. (laughs) Big laugh. Again, this girl loves a sexual joke. And I have to say, I mean, they're pretty well executed because they're very, like, 12-year-old in style. It's like a sex joke that a 12 year old would find funny you know they're kind of innocuous so then the author talks about how two nights after the met they meet up with dj at greenwich hotel in tribeca new york and dj explains how the dinner portion of the met gala felt she's like there was no vibe just chatter and silverware scraping which honestly sounds so miserable to me And she says, that's my one note, Anna. It doesn't have to be a playlist, but just have a beautiful string quartet or something. I mean, is there really no music at the Met Gala? Like, you have all these famous musicians here. You can't, like, pump some Olivia Rodrigo or Harry Styles through the speakers. Well, why not? And then she says that DJ didn't have her glasses that evening, so she's not entirely sure who she saw or waved back at. And then I also enjoyed this story about a a tattoo because... DJ shows the author her new tattoo and it's, uh, I think on her ankle or it's on her leg. Yeah. Ankle. Sorry. And it's a fresh scarab beetle. And she got it with Maggie Gyllenhaal, who is the director of a movie that DJ is in called Lost Daughter. And she got it with her co-star, Jesse Buckley. And between the Met Gala and I, I think it was directly after the Met Gala they did this. And Olivia Coleman was supposed to get it with them. She's a famous actor, you know, always nominated for Academy Awards lately. But Olivia was shooting a film. And so the author talks to Olivia and Olivia's like, I got a WhatsApp photo of them all getting the tattoo that we were all meant to be having together. I was rageful. I was so jealous. Tell her if she doesn't give me my tattoo, that's the end of our friendship. And I was considering her a friend for life. This is similar to how I felt when my little sister was just in Portland. And I've been begging her for literally since like the day she turned 18 to get a tattoo with me. And then she goes to Portland with her friends and gets a tattoo. So to say I was a little bit hurt. Traitor. She doesn't listen. listen. (laughs) So 
DJ confirms this story and she's like, yeah, like Olivia was pissed off. She called and she was like, what the fuck? And that's li- I think I well, no, I was happy for Danny. I didn't even say what the fuck. I only said that behind her back. But I did tell her that now she owes me one. And this detail from the story also delighted me. It says the tattoo was done in Maggie Gyllenhaal's Brooklyn Kitchen, which if you need to see an architectural digest, Maggie's is is really something. Um, And the woman agreed on the scarab because it's a symbol of rebirth that Maggie used as a touchstone during production. And apparently DJ just felt, you know, a particular resonance with that symbol. So then we get into the part of the article where where Dakota starts talking about the 50 Shades of Grey trilogy. And you can tell that she feels very conflicted about this because some of the statements she gives, they kind of dial back on themselves. So let me read you some of her quotes and you'll see what I mean. She says, I'm a sexual person and when I'm interested in something, I want to know so much about it. That's why I did those big naked movies. That's what she's referring to the trilogy as, big naked movies. I signed up to do a very different version of the film we ended up making. And the author says, you know, was it the studio? Was it the directors? Was it a combo platter? And Dakota says it was a combo. And then she leans in and she says it was also the author of the books. So that would be referring to E.L. James. That was her pen name. Her real name is Erica, who created the stories. And if you're not familiar, uh, the original Fifty Shades of Grey, while not mentioned in this article, was actually a Twilight fanfic. So E.L. James was big in the fanfic stratosphere and, you know, it turned into what it is today. So apparently Erica DJ says has had a lot of creative control all day, every day. And she just demanded that certain things happen. There were parts of the book that just wouldn't work in a movie, like the inner monologue, which was at times incredibly cheesy. It wouldn't work to say out loud. It was always a battle. And I have never read these books or seen these movies. I read about one page from it and the writing was so, so, so atrocious that I I cannot even imagine if you were ripping dialogue straight from that book, how bad of a movie it would have been. On the one hand, I kind of wish they had went that direction and just leaned into like the full camp of it because then I could see it becoming this sort of like camp classic thing. I think they should have been making fun of themselves a little bit more than it's my understanding that they did. And maybe they did. I, again, I haven't seen it. But based on, you know, all of the money behind it, the soundtracks alone had to cost a shit ton. I mean, you have tracks from Taylor Swift, Zayn. I love that one. Uh, so many other stars. Ellie Goulding did a really good one for it. So I just know their budget was huge. And I just think that was, you know, making it as a blockbuster. I'm not sure if that was the right path to take. But what do I know? So anyways, DJ scored a three-picture role as... Anastasia Steele, who is one of the lead characters, and she was supposed to play across from Charlie Hunnam, and he actually dropped out of the project, and that's when Jamie Dornan stepped in. And she says, I was young. I was 23, so it was scary. And I did not realize she was that young when she was starting in those films. Like, that really is young to be doing something of this level and just everything it entailed. And I know we talk about intimacy coordinators on here a lot but I guarantee 10 years ago because again Dakota's like exactly my age pretty much there was no intimacy coordinators on set so I'm guessing this was a wild ride for her and we're probably not even hearing the whole story of it but she says it just became something crazy there are a lot of different disagreements I haven't been able to talk about this truthfully ever because you want to promote a movie the right way and I'm proud of what we made ultimately and everything turns out the way it's supposed to but it was tricky 
And the author writes, you know, it's hard not to hear echoes of the binding agreement that Hitchcock used to ruin her grandmother's career. And when you think of it that way, it really is spooky. And I've heard over the years so many rumors, so many blind items, everything about her and Jamie Dornan literally hating each other. So I could not believe that she said this. She says, there was never a time we didn't get along. I know it's weird, but he's like a brother to me. I love him so, 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 so much. And we are really there for each other. We had to really trust each other and protect each other. And if there's one thing I will say about Dakota, I just don't think she would have said this if she didn't actually have good feelings towards him. I think she would have been kind of mum on it. So I actually believe that this feud, maybe it was a PR move uh, to drum up interest in it, even though I think it would have played better if they were romantic but maybe the issue was Dakota didn't want to be romantic with him because she viewed him as a brother so she didn't even want to pretend to do that and so maybe that's why these rumors came out that they hated each other because she was trying to keep a sense of professionalism and distance from him and people were expecting them to be lovey-dovey with each other when it's like hello these are characters in a movie and so this is another point in the article where Dakota kind of dials back on her comments about E.L. James. She says, we were doing the weirdest things for years and we needed to be a team. We're not doing that or you can't do that camera angle. You know, she's speaking about her and Jamie basically. And she talks about how the first movie had a female director and it brought a softer perspective. But then when James Foley came on to direct, she says he's an interesting man. It was different doing those bizarre things with a man behind the camera, just a different energy. Again, this why intimacy coordinators are so important in my opinion. And she says, there are things that I still cannot say because I don't want to hurt anyone's career and I don't want to damage anybody's reputation. But both Jamie and I were treated really well. Erica's a very nice woman and she was always kind to me and I'm grateful she wanted me to be in those movies. And you can't tell me that Dakota's being a little cagey because she's truly fearing for her career. She knows she can't just go out there and talk shit about everyone because it would come back and bite her in the ass. And it's sad and it's not fair because if you aren't treated fairly you should be able to say that but I hope that it is true that she really does feel like she was treated well on set but I think if you read between the lines there's probably a little more to it than we're getting from this but all in all fantastic article thank you for letting me go through it all I just really enjoyed that one so I wanted to kind of dive into it with you guys but let's get on to our first cut article of the day All right, y'all know I live for these articles. They're my absolute favorite. This is what Cameron Diaz Can't Live Without by Cameron Diaz as told to Ariel Avila. Okay, so the very first thing on Cameron's list is the Hoka Clifton Edge, which Hoka's are those sneakers. They look super comfy. I kind of do want to try one on just to feel it. I'm kind of like a New Balance Nike gal, but I'm willing to go outside of that. These cost $110, so I'd say a pretty standard price for you know, running shoe, a sneaker. And she explains how she had a come to God moment. She was like, what am I doing to my feet? I can't just keep squeezing my feet into shoes that are crippling. Am I really going to do that for the rest of my life? So she's like, I Googled most comfortable shoes and Hoka came up and I was like, okay, I'm in. And she's like, it was like what it feels like to walk on a cloud. Again, you know, I love when I can relate to celebrities. It goes to being brought up on Us Weeklies with the stars are just like us. Like it really speaks to a part of my soul that I can't find elsewhere in my life. But I too Google most comfortable shoes. 
literally my last new balances I bought I was like most comfortable walking shoes and these were on the list and they weren't the cutest ones but I could got them off Amazon and the rest is history and I do like them and I wear them quite frequently and I would say they are quite comfortable so again I bet there's lots of you out there who feel the same way and google shit like that too Okay, and of course, little Cam Cam is a minimalist gal when it comes to makeup. This does not shock me at all. She says she only uses two makeup products. One is the Merit Signature Lip Lightweight Lipstick in a berry brown or soft berry shade. And the Westman Atelier Lit Up Highlight Stick. She says she knows... uh, the Gucci, who is the owner of Westman Atelier. Of course she does. She's got to shout out her friends. You will notice this is the first friend shout out on this list. We have two more guys. This lady is nothing but if not supporting her friends. And I love that. We love when women friendships are supported. So next up, how could we forget Drew Barrymore on this list? Cam and Drew have the cutest friendship. So I obviously love that she included this. It's the beautiful by Drew Barrymore six quart touchscreen air fryer in cornflower blue to be exact. It's a $89 purchase if you're wondering if you would too like to have one. She's like, it's so Drew to think of the aesthetic of the kitchen. She's always saying that every kitchen appliance is either stainless steel or black. And so she made something beautiful enough to sit on your counter that also functions well. I always wanted an oven the size of an easy bake that actually worked. And now I have it. I just, I love it. She also included a goop item on the list. And I would say that's clearly also because of her friendship with little Miss Gwyneth Paltrow herself. This next one I was so happy about because I've had this item on legit shit before. If you spend any time with me, you know that I put this shit on everything. And if you don't have it yet, I would literally tell you to pause this episode and go purchase it immediately. And that is Maldon Salt. She says, Maldon Salt is special. The flakes are a unique pyramid shape. When you break them up over food, you get that little crunch of salt without overdoing it, unlike table salt. I don't use it to cook or season. I usually use kosher salt for that and Maldon for finishing. I used I, diamond as my preferred salt for cooking and Maldon for finishing. I totally agree. You always have to finish with Maldon. She says, I actually used Maldon this morning on some avocado toast. I'm a salty gal and I use it on everything. Girl, I'm a salty gal too. I just love this for us. So, of course, this whole thing is essentially an ad for her wine, which is called Aveline Wines. And it's very like, oh, we're a clean wine brand, you know, which mixed feelings on that. But I really liked this list overall. I thought it was very approachable. You could literally buy everything on this list. And it had melt on salt in there. So you cannot go wrong with that. Okay, this next story is what I alluded to earlier pertaining to Noah Schnapp. And I actually discussed this on my TikTok, but it is Why is Doja Cat Beefing with Noah Schnapp by Bindu Bansanath. Okay, to define the players a little bit, we have Doja Cat, very popular singer at the moment. I love Doja Cat's songs. I think she has the best music videos. She's one of the most entertaining people on TikTok. And that is partially because she is not afraid to speak her mind and she's a little out there. And then we have Noah Schnapp, who is 17 years old. He plays Will Byers on Stranger Things. That's his main big role. I thought he killed it this season. And to give you a little background, back in May, right when like the first drop of Stranger Things was coming out, uh, Doja Cat herself tweeted that Joseph Quinn, who plays Eddie Munson on the show, is, quote, fine as shit. Fast forward and Last week, Noah Schnapp posts a TikTok where he stitches it with a girl talking about the tweet of 
Doja Cat about Joseph Quinn being fine as shit. And then he puts behind him actual DMs between Doja and him. Now, he has since deleted this video. But in it, you see a DM from Doja to Noah saying, Noah, can you tell Joseph to hit me up? Wait, no. Does he have a girlfriend? Which I do appreciate that she was checking to make sure he was single before, you know, she got in there. That's good. We like that. And Noah said, LMAO, slide into his DMs. And then Doja said he doesn't have a DM to slide into. Now, this could be referring to the fact that in the past, Joseph, who is 29, has previously revealed that his Instagram account is managed by a friend. So maybe that was what she was referring to, or maybe she genuinely couldn't find it. I don't know. I found it pretty easily. You just have to type in his name. Um, And he sends her the account, and he says, right here, ma'am. So again, he posts that on his TikTok for everyone to see. And literally the first time I saw it, I was like, I wonder if the next message was like, hey, Doja, do you mind if I share this on my Instagram or on my TikTok? Uh, clearly it wasn't because of what ensued afterwards. I don't think any of this is PR. I think this is for sure like was just Noah being accidentally messy because need I remind you, he is 17 years old. So then Doja Cat, after all of this, goes on Instagram live and says some unhinged things she says the fact that this person that noah did that first off referring to him as this person when clearly you felt comfortable enough to slide into his dms she said he's so unbelievably socially unaware and whack like that's a borderline snake shit that's like weasel shit i made an assumption that he was going to be chill about it and he went and shared information that i didn't feel comfortable with him sharing to me that is so kind of vile that she used that those words like snake shit weasel shit when clearly she had already publicly expressed her thirst for this man and the dms were pretty innocuous honestly and then we have to take into account that like i mentioned earlier noah schnapp is only 17 years old he's one of the only underage people on the set of stranger things as far as the main characters go and doja is 26 years old and i would say especially with the maturity of boys, that's a pretty big difference. There were other people in the cast she could have reached out to and she could have had a private conversation with Noah instead of going on Instagram live. Now, I don't know, maybe she did have a conversation with him since he did take down the video. But again, I don't think it is Doja's style to stay quiet about things. Because again, she loves to speak her mind, which is one of the things, like I said, that we like about her. I just think the language she used to talk about Noah was so rough and kind of uncalled for based on the situation. Uh, but again, this is just my opinion on this. Let me know if you feel differently about it. And I, I think, on a, ironically, by her going on the Instagram Live and saying all this, it brought way more attention to the story than if she had just been kind of mute about it. So again... The video is gone now, but obviously there's all of these articles where you can see exactly what went down. And hey, maybe it is all PR. And if it is, then it's genius and props to all of them. But I would say that Noah did not come out looking great in all of, or I'm sorry, Doja did not come out looking great in all of this. And I think a lot of that has to do with Noah's age. And uh, respectively, I just think she could have handled it differently. And if this wasn't a PR stunt, I would think that her managers and agents and PR people were probably not pleased with how this went down. That's just a guess, though. I don't know. I could be wrong. Okay, let's get into our blind item of the day, because as you guys know, I've been liking to share a little blind item about a celeb that we've talked about that particular week. So this week, I thought it'd be fun to do Cameron Diaz. Now, 
looking through some various blinds about her, and again, I'm using Crazy Days and Nights, partially just because I think it's interesting to be consistent with using that site, because he, Inti, has a very precise tone when he speaks about people, and so I liked going through and kind of reading various things that he had posted about Cameron, and a lot of them weren't blinds. A lot of them were him just like Perez Hilton style posting about her, and so many of the posts about her were about her dating histories, rumors of her dating, or some of these were confirmed, some were rumors, uh, her dating Colin Firth, Sean Combs, who is P. Diddy, A-Rod, Jason Lewis, Benicio Del Toro, and as you likely know, Cameron is currently married to Benji Madden, which makes her a sister-in-law to Nicole Richie. And I did want to point out that while she shouted out all of those friends on her list, there was nothing from House of Harlow or any other companies that Nicole Richie might own on that list. So, you know, I'm not trying to start drama, but I'm just pointing it out. But I do have to say, like, I thought the tone where NT was talking about Cameron Diaz, I was like, does he have beef with Cameron Diaz? Like, is he jealous of like her? Like, he wants to be with someone like a Cameron Diaz? Because I thought he spoke about her so harshly. And here's an example. So this one is from September 27th, 2016. It says this former A-plus list, mostly movie actress, is clinging to A-minus list simply because of her past body of work. The constant drinking and pot use combined with her sudden dislike of exercise has caused her to gain some weight, which she is tired of trying to lose. Apparently, she's going to live her life like she wants, and if she gets roles the way she is, then great, but she is done living for others. I mean, tea. Like, damn, if Cameron Diaz, who still looks amazing, by the way, wants to, you know, drink and smoke some pot and eat some food, please, girl, like, yes, deserve that. Live your life. I'm just grossed out. I think I'm always grossed out when any sort of media outlet, and I know obviously crazy days and nights and blind items are not a formal media outlet, but who anyone who speaks on the internet wants to speak about a woman's weight and implying that that's why she's not getting roles. I mean, for all we know, Cameron just like wanted to take a fucking break and start her wine company. Like, can we cut the girl some slack? It just grosses me out. Like, I, I, Again, it goes into everything that I hate about like men in Hollywood because I think so many people in Hollywood, especially men, just view women as these objects that are just meant to look pretty on camera and not giving any credence to her actual acting skill or everything she's done and how long she acted for. So that blind grossed me out. Um, And then this one just fascinated me. So... This is from even before. This is before the other blind I just read. It's from November 12, 2013. It says, This still barely hanging on an A-list, mostly movie actress, has been in a two-month relationship with another couple. The actress met them at a bar two months ago, and the trio have been inseparable and have even taken their relationship public to an extent by eating out and going to clubs together while she's been dodging recent news reports about her friendship with another actor. So this is about Cameron Diaz. She's the only named person in this blind item revealed. I do not know who the other couple is. All right. And I did some Googling to try to figure out what this alleged couple, who it was. I tried to find pictures of Cameron around that time, like eating with a couple. But I will say I figured out where it says she's been dodging recent news reports about her friendship with another actor. That's just definitely about Jason Siegel. Uh, they were in a movie at the time. They were spotted having lunch together. The report said it was friendly, but that's definitely who this is referring to if I had to guess. But I don't know who the two-month relationship with another couple could be. 
unclear. I tried to find out, guys. If I can figure it out, I will let you know. But again, I think it's worth pointing out that, again, this blind item was from 2013, and he describes her as a barely hanging on A-list, mostly movie actress. And then fast forward to 2016, and it says that she's clinging to A-minus list. And I think when someone like Cameron Diaz, to me, she's like always A-list, especially for someone of my generation, because who doesn't know her? You know, she's like a household name. So, and again, it's also arbitrary and stupid, but I thought those were kind of juicy and fun. Well, except for the first one, that one was not fun at all. It was disgusting. And again, I think this tone of talking about Cameron is not nice throughout, but what can you do? All right. So our legit shit for this week, guys, y'all know, and it's been one of my prior list items that I love the Dior lip oil, but it is majorly overpriced. It's over $30. But I do think it's worth it because it's so luxe feeling. It's a great gift. If you want just like a cute little gift for someone, order a lip oil and order it from the Dior website because they package it so nicely. But if you're not wanting to shell out that, I'm always down to recommend another lip gloss situation. Now, this product is called a lip oil. I would not say it's exactly comparable to the Dior lip oil. It feels a little more just like a gloss, but it's a clean beauty item. It's vegan. It's a great price. It's only $17. You can get it from Sephora. It's the N Beauty Project Glaze Lip Oil in Frosé is the color I have, but I actually kind of wish I got the other one because the Frosé is a little frosty looking and the other one's translucent, but I just think for $17, it's a great one to have in your purse, take out with you. You don't have to worry about losing it. Like I feel like I'm always so worried about losing my Dior ones. And let me know if you try it, guys. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye.